Living Stones is a weekly conversation about living a truly Catholic life. Deacon Harold Burke Sivers and Ken Hellenius help you deepen your relationship with Christ and His Church, discussing practical ways to grow in faith, participate more fully in the liturgy, and practice charity towards all. Hello and welcome to Living Stones. I am your co-host, Ken Hellenius, and sitting across from me in his home studios in Portland, Oregon, is the man who invented the classic snack, Ants on a Log, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Hello, Deacon. Hey, Ken. How you doing, my friend? I am well. Thank you. You know, <laughs> Ants it, on a log. Ants on a log. You know, I, I'm so grateful that you finally found a way to make celery something delicious. You know, slapping the peanut butter and the raisins on there and just so that it makes it worth your time. Because otherwise, celery is like, you know, like a toothbrush. And who wants to eat that? But uh, by adding that peanut butter to it, you really raised it up a level. And that's the genius that is Deacon Harold. That's what I love about you. You know, I was thinking about the kids during Lent and what kind of snack can we give the kids on Fridays during during Lent and time? And there you go. And it's it just, also it semi-penitential. That's the best part. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. So how are things at uh at the, my alma mater? Things at your alma mater are good. We are uh, I mean, school's well underway now. Uh Everything's back up completely wide open, you know, in terms of where where, um, students, all activities are kind of in place. And and, uh, of course, the football season is underway and where we've got our new coach, uh, Marcus Freeman. And so it's very exciting. Um, I mean, I don't want to talk about football all the time because, uh, you know, Notre Dame is much more than that. But there are a lot of exciting things going on. As a matter of fact, you know, this year we've had a lot of change. Not only do we have a new head coach in football, but we have a new provost uh, who was a uh, had been professor and, and dean of the College of Arts and Letters. His name is Professor John McGreevy is our provost. And so he's a he's a Catholic historian. Uh, and so he um, is now kind of helping direct well, I mean, the provost, what, what, that's the chief academic officer of the university. And so it's very exciting, I mean, uh, to see a kind of a homegrown professor be appointed as the uh, provost is, is a wonderful thing, because oftentimes provosts will be hired at different universities from other schools. Um, and so to have one of our own become our provost and lead us, uh, somebody who understands what Notre Dame is, that's a wonderful thing. So lots of exciting things going on here on campus, absolutely. All right. What about the DeNicola Center? DeNicola Center. Oh, my gosh. So we kicked off the year with, uh, you know, we we brought back nearly 300 of our Soren Fellows, undergraduate and graduate students oh, that wow. are affiliated. Great. So, you know, we graduated um, last year, we, we graduated over 100. But then over the summer, we picked up uh, a number of students who were incoming or who were already here who had, had learned about the program and wanted to be affiliated with the center. These are students that we help with internships and we do we do formation throughout the year. So including spiritual opportunities, you know, we actually did our, our opening of the year mass and we did a hog roast afterward to kind of build community. And we do fun things like Soren Supper Clubs where a group of students, five or six students will go and have dinner in the homes of professors and staff, kind of a family dinner where they see, you know, kind of what what is life like uh, beyond the walls of the cam- of campus. And and so I know Julie and I, we actually are hosting our first uh, Soren Supper Club of this semester uh, this coming week. And so we're going to have students over and, and, you know, and it's just a chance to, to meet and interact with and, and talk about vocation beyond 
your day job kind of thing. Um, so yeah, so it's very exciting. Uh, you know, I mentioned we graduated a, a hundred, I think it was 108 Soren fellows last year. And actually 11 of them have entered religious life or priesthood studies this year. And that's just an incredible, phenomenal kind of witness to the effects of sharing faith and having that be at the core of what we do here at the DeNicola Center, share the richness of the Catholic moral and intellectual tradition. It's forming students to discover their vocations, whatever they may be. And uh, gosh, almost, you know, over 10% of our students last year discerned that their vocation is at least to pursue and to be open to God's call in their lives. And so that's kind of a wonderful thing that we are really celebrating and, and grateful for as well. That's awesome. And how have things been since the uh, Supreme Court decision overturning oh, Roe v. Wade? I mean, yeah. I mean, you guys must be busy. I mean, but what's the next step now? I mean, obviously, that's something that we can celebrate. And, you know, because it's something that's, you know, I thought I'd never see in my lifetime. And, right. and many people I know feel the same way. But all that means is that it's up to the states now. So abortion is still going to be a reality. In fact, there's corporations now who are are willing to pay their employees to go out of state. If the state doesn't offer abortion services, they, they're going to pay uh, up to $4,000 in some cases uh, to provide the means so their employees can go get abortions in other states. So so there's still definitely work to be done. So yeah, uh, what's the Nicholas Center doing then? I'll say before I talk about what we're doing here at the center, I will say, you know, that fact is that you've just talked about companies and corporations that are saying we will pay for you to abort your child. You know, what does one person's pocketbook make? You know, what difference does it make if I stop shopping at a certain store? But I have. I have changed my shopping habits to try as much as I can to avoid, you know, basically doing business with companies that are doing that, that have publicly said this is part of who we are. And it's heartbreaking to see companies that make life easier. It's heartbreaking to see Amazon. It's heartbreaking to see Walmart, Kroger, companies like this that are saying this is so important to us that our employees not be burdened by children that we will pay to have those children killed. That is horrifying to me. And so it means I try not to do business with them. I don't go to Kroger anymore. I used to be in my regular rotation for grocery shopping. It is not now because that is just offensive to me and they don't need my money if they're, if they're going to do that. So, but we'll set that aside. That's, you know, that's something it's very difficult. Not everybody has that freedom to be able to, to change their, their shopping or, you know, their budgets may not allow it. So that's not a judgment in any way, but it's to say that we need to make statements and, and to reach out to and call out corporations that are doing dumb things like that, because that, that's offensive is what it is. So I just wanted to say that, but here at the DeNicola Center, you're right. You know, the Dobbs decision overturning Roe v. Wade, sending the question back to the states means that the work is still incredibly important. We can need to continue building a civilization of life and love, as St. John Paul II wrote in Evangelium Vitae. So here at the DeNicola Center, we have a comprehensive initiative called the Women and Children First Initiative that is uh, working to put the best of the research and thinking that we do here at Notre Dame into practice to connect and to identify and then empower, uh, for example, crisis pregnancy centers. What are the best practices that they are seeing and doing in order to reach 
and support women, children, and families. We are working with, um, there's a group called the Fitzgerald Institute for real estate, which is identifying church properties that might be repurposed to support uh, crisis pregnancies and, um, you know, young mothers who need housing. Uh, So we're working on that. We are working to help dispel many of the myths that are out there about the effects of abortion laws and things like that. So many laws that are that have really good things attached to them. But, of course, those who support abortion are focusing on the tiny, tiny, minuscule percentage of questions left in the law and saying, well, this means that women are going to die. Absolutely, it does not. You know, for example, methotrexate and medications that are used for um, other purposes other than abortion are not being restricted because because they don't have to do with with the abortion process, uh, you know, for people that need them for other things. And so we have done a series of webinars already in which we're talking with uh, OBGYNs and, and board-certified physicians who are helping to dispel these myths. And we've got a series going uh, that is really focusing on how we can care for women and children and how they can navigate healthcare in this post-Dobbs world. So we've got a number of things going on with our Women and Children First initiative, and that's kind of a primary way that we're working on that. Of course, yes, um, we're also working on the legal side as well, uh, and so kind of uh, putting heads together among the legal scholars here on campus at Notre Dame Law and, and affiliated and friendly institutions to help actually improve the laws and to bring Again, to build a civilization of life and love. That's what our goal is. That's fantastic. Yeah. Some great work being done there. So if people want to find out more about uh, what you're doing or, or just see some of the videos, where would they go? Yeah, so the easiest thind to do is to go to ethicscenter.nd.edu slash WCFI. That's ethicscenter.nd.edu slash WCFI. That's Women and Children First Initiative, WCFI. And that's kind of our, our, one, our, our landing page that directs to the different sorts of things that we have going on and some of the presentations we have we've already given as well as kind of upcoming opportunities upcoming research projects and things like that and it's an ever-growing kind of initiative as well as we're identifying additional um, things that are going on on campus that we can kind of again kind of bring the best thought of a premier research institution to support this uh, this pro-life movement and again this is something you said it before we We had always hoped, but we never thought we'd actually see the overturning of Roe. And so one of the great challenges has been we have these opportunities before us that we had hoped for, but we weren't ready right when it happened because the other side is very powerful and very well funded and also had the initiative of inertia. Uh, you know, the inertia was that no laws could ever be made that would that would affect Roe. And so they were already, you know, complacent. And we're now having to basically build up that support. And that's where the process we're in. So it's not a criticism of the pro-life movement. It's not a valid criticism of the pro-life movement to say, you know, well, why, why aren't you ready? Why aren't you out there doing X, Y, and Z already? It's because guess what? It's been a long time. It's been 50 years to get to this point. So give us time. We're working on it. And we absolutely want to support women, children, and families. That's the goal. Yes. Amen. Beautifully said. Well said. All right. Well, we're continuing our discussion 
of the Holy Spirit. Yay. You know, and uh, we uh, last week finished up uh, talking about the Holy Spirit in the Creed. You know, we pray every Sunday. And so now, hopefully, when our listeners are praying the Creed, they're connecting more deeply to the Holy Spirit uh, and the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. And now we want to shift and talk about the Holy Spirit and prayer, right? Uh, how do we speak to God? You know, again, that's through the Holy Spirit. So that's what we're going to pick up on our conversation today. I love it. You know, this is a world that uh, that increasingly, well, just as we were talking about, this is a world that is very quick to reject life both life on the material level and the very real sense of, of, you know, we hear about overpopulation and, you know, all sorts of reasons why people shouldn't have children X, Y, or Z. But we also reject life on the personal level, on a, on a spiritual level very much. Um, and it is the Holy Spirit who is, as we you recite in the creed, the Holy Spirit is the Lord and giver of life. And so when we choose to close ourselves to life, we're closing ourselves to the Holy Spirit. But there's a wonderful counter to that, an antidote. And that is that the Holy Spirit, as the giver of life, wants to give life to us and actually prize into our lives to invite us into relationship, to invite us to open ourselves to the gift of life that God so richly wants to give us. And so we need the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit wants to be part of our lives and kind of nuzzles nuzzles his way in, in a way. And so in the catechism, we read, every time we begin to pray to Jesus, it is the Holy Spirit who draws us on the way of prayer by his abundant grace. Grace is how the Holy Spirit acts. Grace, this free gift of God, is given to us to invite us into prayer. Prayer is a conversation and a relationship, and it's the Holy Spirit who's inspiring that all along. That's true. But I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, when do we actually pray to the Holy Spirit? I mean, I mean think, think about this for a second. We pray the Our Father, right? We're praying the rosary. We're reflecting on the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ through the heart of his blessed mother. But when do we actually pray to the Holy Spirit? <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, mean, what, what, I mean, how many prayers... And, and maybe that's that's something that we could rediscover, do a better job on in our church, is to focus more on prayers directed specifically to the Holy Spirit. Now, in the Eastern Rites, in the Eastern Church, you ever go to their um, divine liturgies, uh, man, I mean, they have prayers specifically directed to the Holy Spirit and always calling upon the Holy Spirit. Now, we know in, in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, there are times, for example, the Epiclesis, right, the priest puts his hands over the gifts and he what he's doing is he's, he's calling the Holy Spirit to be present at the altar. So when he says the words of institution, bread and wine become God. So there are times when we call upon the Holy Spirit, but I think, I think we can do more Yeah, when it comes to the Holy Spirit. I, I, I'm like specifically addressing my prayer right now to the, <laughs> to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know, it's um, I mean, only one ever comes to mind. Well, two come to mind, of course. The prayer, come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and ah, kindle in mm -hmm. us the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. This is said to have been the favorite prayer of Father Ted Hesper, longtime president of the University mm -hmm. of Notre Dame. He would at every meeting say, come Holy Spirit. And so that, of course, is, is an invitation to 
Holy Spirit, come and, and be with us in and to enkindle in us the fire of your love. Then, of course, I think because I love to go to ordinations and things like that, the Veni Sancte Spiritus, come Holy Spirit, mm. which is the same, you know, it's the same prayer in Latin, essentially. But other than that, you know... Uh, yeah, we yeah. have Pen- Pentecost, Pentecost, right? Pentecost. Yeah, when I think know, about the it, mysteries yeah. of the rosary, of course, I think of the Annunciation is the Holy Spirit present. Right. Yep, and there you go. Pentecost, of course. But you're right. It The Holy Spirit is that unsung third person of the Blessed Trinity. Yeah. 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 You know, I, I think one of the ways that we can draw closer to God is by directing more prayer to the Holy Spirit. I mean, because they're all, it's one God, right? right. I mean, they right. all share one divine nature. And, and, and so much of our prayer in the in the West is directed toward the Father and the Son. And, 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 and kind of Holy Spirit is kind of like third place, kind of. I mean, it shouldn't <laughs> be like that, but, it's, but I think there needs to be a better balance uh, in praying directly to the Holy Spirit, you know? I mean, I do that preparing for talks. You know, I'll ask the Holy Spirit, you know, that I could, that I could speak. Uh, what I say is, I uh, let me speak your words, not my words, mm-hmm. so that Christ's will may be done, not my will. You know, so I always want to make sure that I'm saying things that's in, that's inspired by the Holy Spirit, not inspired by Deacon Harold trying to sound smart. Or, you know, I mean, you know what I'm saying? I really yeah, want to yeah. create an opportunity for God to speak and work through me. And so there's a oh, so there's a definite openness there to the spirit. So, uh, but I I, I hope that we can. I, there's got to be prayers that are more specifically directed to the Holy Spirit that we can maybe share with listeners and yeah, you know, and, uh, and draw from, so they can draw deeper uh, from the deeper wellspring in their own life. As a lector, I often I, I pray much like you're saying is you're preparing for a talk. I pray as a lector before I you know get to mass or before before mass begins, when I'm going to be reading, I, I pray to the Holy Spirit and ask the Holy Spirit, you know, use my tongue to proclaim your word so that the people with whom I am here worshiping may hear what you want them to hear and open and soften their hearts to hear your word and your message. That's my prayer as a lector, because what am I doing but reading the very inspired words of the scriptures? But you're right. I'm I'm wondering, we need to we need to do some research, Deacon. That's what we have to do and yeah, find yeah. and and what we what we can do is let's let's do some research and put on our Facebook page there at Living Stones Media. We'll put some links that we find to prayers to the Holy Spirit directed to the Holy Spirit. Certainly, there must be a chaplet of the Holy Spirit. I would imagine you know there are often chaplets, mm. much like the chaplet of Divine Mercy or the chaplet of the Precious Blood, or um, you know there must be one to the Holy Spirit. And I I confess I, I'm a little flat-footed on this question because other than private prayers, which are, as we know, even themselves inspired by the Spirit, because as Mm -hmm. St. Paul tells us, sometimes the Spirit speaks when we don't know what to say. And that is, again, a gift of the Spirit. We talk about speaking in tongues being a manifestation of the Spirit of God, but um, there certainly must be composed prayers in the tradition that we, we too can have be part of our repertoire, and we need more of them. Yeah, I, I mean, I think to me, in response to the Holy Spirit working, I always thank Jesus, right? Yes. You know, uh, like if I'm in adoration, and I know the Holy Spirit's driving me to adoration, I know the Holy Spirit is working in my mind and my heart, 
when I'm trying to, you know, Lord, what do you want me to do here? What what decision should I make here? And when clarity does come, when an idea does pop into my head, when I, you know, when, when I get that response, I always say, thank you, Jesus, you know? But I, yeah. but I knowing, of course, that it's the Holy Spirit. And we would do that in our prayer, right? We we ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit. That's right. God forever and ever. So so we do include the Holy Spirit there. But um, yeah, it, it's just, yeah, maybe because you're right. Because that, that inexpressible groaning. So that inexpressible, you know, um, may, maybe it should be more interior. Maybe that's why there's not that many prayers that we can think of the top of our heads directed to the Holy Spirit, because it's really that unspeakable part, that kind of, um, I talked about that pull, that tug, that attraction, that longing, that yearning, that desire, that unspokenness that St. Paul talks about. So maybe there's a dearth of prayers to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is more of a interior personal rather than like a, ejaculatory types of prayer. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I do. And, and uh, yeah, because <laughs> well, again, this comes back to something we were talking about last week as well. The idea that the Holy spirit is though we have multiple images and, and manifestations of the spirit. It's not like a person like of flesh, like Jesus Christ. And it's not the, the spirit is not something that we can anthropomorphize like God, the father. You know, we have an image of a dove or flame or the wind, but those are a little more fleeting, right? Um, and it it's hard to think of praying to a flame. It's hard to think of praying to the wind. But, uh, but at the same time, well, and why would I pray to a dove when it's just going to fly around with an olive branch in its mouth? That's not going to do me any good, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. But no, the the idea of the Spirit being that which animates us because we have received and been sealed in the Holy Spirit at confirmation, maybe that is why we don't have... I mean, I, I thought of another, of course, we have the, the Veni Creator Spiritus, come Creator Spirit. Um, that's going to, there are two main chants to the Holy Spirit in the, in the Latin rite. And that's, uh, uh, you know, Veni Sancti Spiritus, come Holy Spirit, and then come Creator Spirit. Uh, uh, those are the two main ones that we encounter. But I, we're going to have to do some deeper research. But at the same time, I wanted to think, to say this, and that is that, It is not that there's jealousy within the Trinity either. And so just because we can't, just because you and I who have, you know, who are joyfully practicing Catholics, just because we can't come up with a a bunch of prayers to the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit is out there feeling like he's getting the short end of the stick either when it comes to prayer. (laughs) Because the Trinity is a communion. They are, they share one nature as God, you know, and so prayer to God is prayer to God the Father, prayer to God the Son, prayer to God the Holy Spirit. It is prayer to the same God. And so the Holy Spirit, again, is not is not slighted, even if we can't come up with a rote prayer that we've learned from childhood. And again, the Holy Spirit is the one that we know probably most intimately because the Holy Spirit is with us at every one of these encounters with the sacraments. I love you also in, uh, mentioned the epiclesis at Mass. And I was thinking about this actually last Sunday um, because we had new altar servers. 
And we have bells at our at, at our masses during the Eucharistic prayer. We have, of course, the bells get rung at the elevation of the gifts. So you know, uh, during during the consecration of the of the bread and consecration of the wine, they also get uh, rung during the epiclesis at the point when when the priest says, "Send your Spirit upon these gifts to make them holy." that they might become the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. The bells ring first then. And because this is just as important as that moment when we're holding up the bread, which is now the body of Christ, because the Holy Spirit, that third person of the Blessed Trinity, is here right now. And that's why it's a fantastic moment. So when we think about the fact that when we're at Mass, literally a miracle is taking place, it's a miracle in the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's who we're, who has called us together and formed us as this community to worship and to receive the Trinity as we consume the Eucharist. And so I was thinking about that fact because we have new altar service and they forgot to ring the bells at the Epiclesis. But guess what? <laughs> that doesn't mean the Holy Spirit wasn't there. It just meant that we didn't That's have right. the bells. That's all it means. So, yeah. That's right. You know, and, and I'm also thinking, Ken, um, the catechism talks about the uh, the Holy Spirit breaks forth out of the very core of the believer's spiritual life, showing him the way, stirring him to action, thinking, willing, and praying with him. You know, it, it says the Holy Spirit's love aims primarily to glorify the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit places us in the closest intimacy with divine truth. Man, yes. that is beautiful. Fantastic. That is beautiful. And so, that, I mean, I don't want to judge anyone, right? But I'm thinking people that aren't open to the Holy Spirit will sometimes try to find other ways to find meaning in their life. So I think about the excessive tattooing, for example, or um, people that do things with their bodies or, um, you know, they, they, they say, well, I'm trying to find meaning. I'm trying to find meaning. I think a deeper openness to the Holy Spirit will provide a deeper level of meaning rather than just artificially doing things that give meaning to you, but doesn't have meaning really in the lives of others. Yeah. Wow. Well, Deacon, believe it or not, in our rapture over the Holy Spirit, we've run out of time. <laughs> and so uh, so next time we'll actually have to invoke the Holy Spirit at the beginning of our conversation that we might also get through what we need to get through in time. That's what we need to do. But <laughs> folks, we invite you to connect with us on Facebook at Living Stones Media. You can also download previous episodes of the show at materdeiradio.com. Deacon, until we gather next week to continue this delightful conversation about the Holy Spirit, might we have a blessing? Well, Almighty God bless you and keep you the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We'll see you next week here on Living Stones. You've been listening to Living Stones with Ken Hellenius and Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Living Stones is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon. For more information about this show, go to moderndayradio.com. That's M-A-T-E-R-D-E-I radio.com.